In the old traditional culture, the Word of God was passed on to the next generation from parents to children through the telling of stories. These stories were told to ensure that the important messages of God did not die with the older generations. This is how the Word of God was kept alive back then. So in honor of that old Jewish tradition, once upon a time, there was a seemingly ordinary man who wasn't wealthy, he wasn't exceptionally brilliant, and he wasn't exceptionally strong. Although he never won a fishing derby, he was an avid fisherman. Fishing was his livelihood. He owned his boat and provided for his uh, family uh, by fishing in the largest freshwater lake in Israel, the Lake Tiberias. Now, this particular body of water has been referred to by other names as well, such as the Sea of Tiberias, the Lake of Gennesaret, the Lake Kinneret, and, but one name that seems to be most familiar when reading the Bible is the Sea of Galilee. Now, here's a fun fact about that particular body of water. It measures 21 kilometers from uh, north to south. It measures 13 kilometers east to west. And it's about 43 meters deep. And you know what? I have actually swam in the Sea of Galilee. It's a freshwater lake. No salt there. The fisherman in this, the fisherman in the story is a man named Simon, right? And after he met and, uh, and began following Jesus, his name changed from Simon to Peter. The name uh, Peter means stone or, or rock. There was nothing really special about Peter. Like many of us, he occasionally thought a little higher of himself than he should have, and, and he was a bit pretentious uh, at times. He often said things that he shouldn't have and, and said things he couldn't or that he really didn't mean, especially when it came time for the rubber to hit the road, if you know what I mean, when it was time to prove his own rhetoric. And, and sometimes he boasted his resolve, his willpower, when it concerned uh, his devotion to Jesus, as if he was kind of campaigning for a seat of honor close to Jesus. But here's the sad thing. When it was his time to shine, 15 seconds of fame, he cowered away in fear by denying Jesus. Not once, but three different times. He was all talk, but no action in that moment. Peter was a plain, ordinary guy. And many of us would relate to Peter. I relate to Peter. I find his story intriguing and inspiring. And he's one of my favorite people, one of my favorite disciples in the Bible. Have you ever battled self-doubt, thinking, who am I to do anything of any significance or make any kind of impact in the world around me? Have you ever been there thinking those things? Maybe you're thinking that you're not smart enough or you're not good enough or strong enough or equipped enough to do something big and great for God. Maybe you feel like you make more mistakes and experience more failure than you do success. You're guilty of making poor decisions than good ones. Peter didn't just make little mistakes. He made big ones as well. And one time, this one particular time, he gave into violence and he gave into anger and he actually sliced off a man's ear. 
and, and thinking his actions were justified because after all, he was protecting Jesus from being arrested, right? But in the end, Jesus is chastising him. He's like saying, hey, listen, Peter, live by the sword, die by the sword, all while he's healing the man's ear that Peter had just cut off. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't pick Peter because he'd always do and say the right thing. He chose Peter because he knew that he would be obedient, faithful, and loyal to the end, regardless of whatever mistakes he would make. Once upon a time, there was a man named Peter, and there was nothing very special about Peter financially. He wasn't wealthy and wise like, like Solomon. Uh, there was nothing very amazing about Peter intellectually. He wasn't uh, a biblical scholar like the Apostle Paul. There was nothing very powerful about Peter physically. He didn't even he didn't have or possess the strength of Samson. Peter was a plain, ordinary, average guy who sometimes acted foolishly. However, Peter made an incredible decision to follow Jesus. And that decision would change the course of his life forever. It would not only affect his life, but it would also positively impact the lives of many others for centuries and generations to come. After Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus actually restored him three times. He prepared and commissioned Peter for what would happen next in his life. A spectacular moment uh, that would go down in the history books as the birth of the church. It happened on the day uh, that was called Pentecost, which is 50 days after the Jewish Passover. In our culture, we recognize this as the seventh Sunday after Easter. The day Pentecost, or the day of Pentecost during the first century, marked the day that God gave his promised gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, to every believer. And on that day, all who gathered in one place, uh, called the upper room, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? There was 120 people there gathered in prayer. And they were there for 10 days praying, waiting for the promised Holy Spirit. And one of those people that was there praying was Peter. And in that moment, this not-so-special man, not-so-amazing man, a sometimes foolish acting man, became God's man to start a new movement that today that is still ongoing. And we call that the church. Jesus gave these instructions to his followers in Acts chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 4. Let's read it. And it says this, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Verse 5, For John baptized with water. In a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And now we'll skip down on to verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. After Jesus' followers did exactly as Jesus instructed. And we're going to pick it up in uh, Acts chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated, uh, separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phrygia, uh, uh, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts of, uh, to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. <laughs> Sometimes our response to something we don't fully understand can be similar to those that made fun of Jesus' followers that day. And I admit, I get a little skeptical of things that I don't fully understand. And in this moment, when the unexplainable happened, ordinary, average, uneducated, common people all of a sudden becoming multilingual, eloquently speaking in foreign languages, it caused quite a stir that day. Galileans were historically uneducated people. They were blue-collared workers that, instead of going off to post-secondary education, they would just pick up the family trade and make a living. Yet here they are speaking in all these different dialects. Let's continue on in verse 14 and see what happened, uh, what else happened that day. And it says this, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Ouch! Mic drop. 
But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and he knew that God had promised him an, on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see this decay. God raised him, uh, uh, this Jesus, to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, his whole, uh, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool from your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said, Peter, and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Skip down to verse 41. Those who accepted this message, or his message, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. <laughs> wow, not bad for his first sermon. Giving an altar call that 3,000 people respond by making a choice to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior over their lives. Now, let me remind you, this is the same guy who sp uh, uh, would speak before he thought, would put his foot in his mouth on many occasions. This is the same guy who denied Jesus three times for fear of losing his life. This is the same guy Jesus had to correct and even chastise for his lack of faith. But on this day, on this day, with the power of, the, of God's Holy Spirit filling Peter up and spilling him over, he spoke with authority and clarity the good news that Jesus is alive. And we call that, you know what we call that around our, in our church circles? The gospel. We call that the gospel. Now, I want to draw your attention back to verse 5 for a second, and I want to uh, just read it in a different translation. In the New Living Translation, Acts chapter 2, verse 5, it says, At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. 
Now, the men of Jewish heritage that gathered around the 120 followers of Jesus that day, they were very religious men. They were devout in the strict acts of piety called for in their Judean uh, religion and culture. These devout Jews knew the Old Testament scriptures backwards and forwards and, and, and knew them really well. And they had been trained to study them as well. Now remember, the New Testament hadn't been written yet. It was happening right before them in real time, right then and there. But yet Peter, using the Old Testament, using those sacred scriptures, explains what is happening before their eyes. He reveals that Jesus is the fulfillment of scripture, claiming that Jesus is the promised Messiah, the Savior, the one they've all been waiting for. He put it in such simplistic terms that not only the educated could understand, but even the uneducated could understand. See, before this moment, they had always felt like they were struggling just to reach for God. This day, though, the words of Peter, they felt God reaching to them. Reaching to them. And it started uh, with a, when they heard the sound and they heard the apostles speaking in different languages. It continued as, as they heard the apostles speaking uh, specifically in their languages. And, and so uh, when, when they came to see and, and what was happening, it, 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 it caused them to, to, to listen to the explanation that was being given by Peter. And this was something they had never seen or heard before. It was something no one had ever seen or heard before. And in this moment, the door opened for this ordinary, average, uneducated, unqualified guy to speak powerfully into their lives. For the first time, they heard that to get close to God did not involve commands or religious practices, but actually involved a person, Jesus Christ. Did you know that there are apparently right now in the world today about 4,200, that's 4,200 different religions, churches, denominations, religious bodies, faith groups, tr uh, tribes, cultures, movements, etc. in the world today. And, and only Christianity, only Christianity has one way to get to God. And it's not about what I do, but rather what Jesus has done. All other religions are about being good enough and doing enough to earn God's favor, to earn His love. That you must do this and do that to prove your love to God before God will respond to you. And while Christianity is all, while Christianity is all about God loving us first, right? And, and, and He proves that to us by giving us His one and only Son, Jesus, to die for us so that we may have eternal life, but not just life for then, but abundant life today. And that Jesus is the only way to God. That was the basic yet powerful message that Peter preached to those devout religious men on the day of Pentecost. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that inspired every word that Peter preached. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that caused curiosity to rise up within these devout religious men that drew them to Peter as he shared the gospel message of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, and his resurrection. On that day, the power of the Holy Spirit birthed the church of Jesus Christ. Since that day, it has... Uh, been preached that long before we reach out to God, 
He is actually reaching out to us first. And that it is the only by Jesus alone that we can actually even get to the Father. Our faith and repentance is is the start of our response to God's proven love for us, right? Jesus said these words. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father except through me. I I love what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, and he says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, you hear that? While we were imperfect, while we we were doing the wrong things, while we were imperfect and sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Nothing we could ever do on our own would ever be enough to earn God's love and His grace. Long before we ever reached out to God, He's been reaching out to us. And He doesn't reach out to us with commands or religious rituals, but He reaches out to us by way of His Son, Jesus Christ. From the moment Peter began to follow Jesus, his life changed. It changed forever. No, he didn't become a perfect person overnight. and He didn't magically do or say all the right things. He didn't all of a sudden become a model citizen. It was a process. He spent three years with Jesus, right? And what seems impossible to us is made possible with God. No one expected Peter to take the stand that day and preach his first ever message. No, no one expected the response to that message either. No one in their wildest imaginings could have ever predicted that what started that day, the birth of the church, would be God's powerful tool in reaching out to people over the centuries, over from generation to generation. No one saw it coming. Only the, the power of God's Holy Spirit was it made possible. God did not establish a building that day. and God did not establish an institution or denomination that day. God gathered people that day. The church is not a building or a structure. It's a people. And I am the church. And you are the church. We are the church together. And no matter where we are gathered or scattered today, we are the church. Maybe today you're feeling like you're unqualified enough to to do anything of significance for God. Listen, uh, Peter was not qualified on his own either. And he was, a, he was a fisherman. He was not a preacher. And yet with God's Holy Spirit, he became an influential leader in establishing the first ever church on the day of Pentecost. And when you yourself uh, are, are open yourself to be used by God, allowing his Holy Spirit to fill you and spill you, you will be amazed at what he can do in you and through you. As we close today, I want to pray in a couple of different ways. For those who are listening today and have never invited Jesus Christ into your life, I want to lead you in a simple prayer to do so. All right, let's pray. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are God's one and only Son. Who died for all my sin. I ask that you would come into my life 
and take full control. Lead and lead me and guide me from this day forward. Jesus, in your name I pray. Amen. Listen, I don't know uh, what, where you are right now, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to pick up your phone. I want you to call somebody. I want you to text somebody right now. Maybe even message them or DM them right now and let them know what you've just done. That you've prayed this prayer to receive Jesus Christ in your life. And so I want you to do that right now. Call somebody. And then what I'd like you to do is, is call us. Contact us here at the church. You can go to AbundantLifeChapel.ca for all of our contact information. You can, you can send us a message and, and let us know about this important decision that you've made today. Now the second way I'd like to pray today is for those of you today that would like to have the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You would love to receive that power so that you can be a better version of yourself. You can be all that God wants you to be and, and to draw closer to Him and be able to move in power. If that's you today, I'd like you to pray this prayer with me. Let's bow your head, our heads again. Heavenly Father, thank you for your, the Holy Spirit. Thank you for his power. I ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to fill me, to spill me, so that I can do more for you. In Jesus' name, amen. That is so exciting. That is so exciting. For those of you that prayed that prayer, this is my encouragement to you. I encourage you to maintain this spirit of worship. Maybe put on some worship music and, and continue on just loving on God right now. And, and, and take time this week just to always just continue to, to maintain this spirit of worship. And listen, in your prayer time, ask God, God, show me a sign that I've received this. Show me a sign that I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It says in Scripture that every time that somebody received the Holy Spirit, people around knew. They knew. They knew. And, and, and so this is what I encourage you to do is in your prayer time, in your prayer time, when you've run out of words, all of the words that you want to say are just kind of done. But then, you know how sometimes we, we, we try and find more words, but we just can't express them? Ask Holy Spirit to give you some words. Some words. And as you pray, just allow Holy Spirit to speak in you and through you. And just declare your love for God at that moment. And I'll tell you, you will feel the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And I believe that there's going to be a boldness in you to share your faith with others around you.